for the time that is ours to share together, I want to talk about are we really the Good Samaritan? A um, often repeated phrase in seminary from one of my professors is that readers are grounded in their social location. What the professor was trying to say basically is, is whenever you read a text or you interpret a text or you read a story, you are always going to read it from your perspective. It's, it's from your frame of view. It's you're going to relate to the same person all the time. If we are telling fairy tales and there's Little Red Riding Hood, we don't consider ourselves the big bad wolf. We don't consider ourselves even grandma. At most, maybe either Little Red Riding Hood or the hunter. Even in the Bible stories, we are Moses telling the Pharaoh to let our people go. Never Pharaoh. Never Pharaoh. We identify with the hero, the winner of the story. We're David, not Goliath. We are Adam and Eve, not the serpent. And of course, in this parable that we're told today, we always consider ourselves the good Samaritan. Samaria is a place that is uh, named after a mountain area. It's about 42 miles north of Jerusalem. Uh, pretty much neighbors, you know, 42 miles in these times does not seem that far. But at one time, it was the capital of the northern kingdom. And it was also the place where the kings of Israel, when they died, they got buried in Samaria. And you can find that in First and Second Kings, all of the different times that the, the kings of Israel went there. And, but one sooner or later got conquered by the Greeks, and they influenced Samaria. And then it got conquered by the Romans, and they influenced it. And when you look at someone, you never know what he or she has went through, and you never know their past. And here, Samaria at that time was considered bad for the current time. But at one time, it was a high-ranking place. It was a place of esteem. Now, at this time of the text, Samaria was considered bad. It was so bad that even though the Romans rebuilt it, people still kind of looked at it as, as uh, not clean, not, not a good place to be. All the way to the point that they went out of their way to avoid going through Samaria. This was not a place you wanted to be. To be called a Samaritan at that time was an insult. Almost like calling somebody a, a half-breed or a mutt. It was a disrespectful term because the Greeks and the Romans had conquered and influenced the place and the people who used to be pure blood people of God were no longer considered good. They got barred from the temple from worship. To be called Samaritan meant we didn't know who your bloodline was. Almost like a child that is the product of infidelity being brought into the marriage. That is how they looked as Samaritans. And that's where we come to Jesus in the text that was read. Right before what you read and what you heard in the reading of the scripture, 
Jesus had just finished sending the 70 disciples out to go and do work in his name. And I preached on it last week. We don't know the names of the disciples, but they did good work. And they were told not to rejoice in what they had did, but to rejoice that their names were written in heaven. Only thing you can do for Christ for last, that's it. Everything else is forgotten about. It's not important. But what you do for Christ will have a long-lasting, eternal effect. Talked about the names and the calling of the names. We take pride in our names. We take pride in our reputation. We won't help somebody if we think it might ruin our reputation. We won't do certain things if we think it might hurt our reputation, rather. And that is what was going on in the text. By now, people had heard about Jesus. People had heard about the master. People had heard about this teacher. And here we have a lawyer trying to trap him. But he didn't know Jesus like we knew Jesus. We didn't know, he didn't know that Jesus was the best lawyer that money can't buy. The best lawyer around, but he was still trying to trap him. And Jesus turned the question back on him. He said, uh, what is written in the law? And the lawyer knew a little bit about the law. And so the, the part that he quoted when he said the, to uh, love the God, Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. He was combining Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18. And he said, that's it. Good answer. But the lawyer, he couldn't leave well enough alone. So he asks him, who is my neighbor? And I like that Jesus was smart enough to use an example of the Samaritan. Because the Samaritans were good neighbors at one time. They were the best neighbors. But new people moved in. And they were not considered any good. It's kind of like being in a particular neighborhood and we think that the neighborhood is, is good it's all that, it's, it's the best neighborhood we could possibly live in and we like our neighbors but sooner or later the neighbors move on and somebody else moves in that house and they're not like the neighbors that you used to have they're not like the neighbors that you are used to they're different. They're not like you. They didn't go to church like you did. They don't think the same way you think. And so because they're not the good neighbors that we're used to, we consider that bad. We kind of click up by nature, whether we're at school or at church or at the job. We tend to get around people who are just like us. Because we like to be around like-minded people. And there's nothing wrong with being around like-minded people. But if we are to share this Jesus that we're enjoying the benefits of, we might have to hang around some people who aren't like us. We might have to go talk to some people who don't dress like us. 
don't have the educational background like us, don't have the income like us, we got to spread the word to everybody. Not just sit on a pile of gold in a church and not share it. That is what we are here for. We are to get out of our comfort zones, get out of what we're used to, and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's not about the temporary. It's about the eternal. I like how the, there aren't very many details given about the person that got beat up. It can be anybody. Not, it, can be, it can be anybody in need for help. You know, sometimes when, and I do this myself, when we think about someone who needs help, you think about somebody less fortunate than you. Someone who might be at the intersection of a, a, major, uh, a major corner at an intersection with a sign. But they're not always the people that need help. Sometimes that person could be sitting right next to you and you don't speak. Sometimes it could be the person that's going to work every day and, and messing with you on the job and hurt people hurt people. And so it could be somebody else that's in need of this help. It's not always a mission trip. It's not always going to be found on UM Army. People in need of help can be sitting right next to us every day. People in need of help could be our own family members. Our bosses, our co-workers. You never know. It can be anybody on the side of the road beaten, broke, busted, and disgusted. But the Samaritan came down this road and took care of his hurts. You see, I don't see myself as a Samaritan because God, I, God knows I don't always do the right thing. And I don't see myself as the Levite because I wasn't born into a special protected class of people, God's favorites. And I don't even see myself as the priest. All of them, the priest and the Levite walked by and I don't see myself as the priest, even though preaching is my current profession. If you were to ask me who I relate to on the side of the road. I relate to the person that is beat down in need of help, in need of assistance. The Samaritan didn't have to stop and help this beaten traveler, but he did. And just like the Samaritan helped this beaten, didn't have to help this beaten and broken traveler, Jesus did not have to come down and offer salvation to us all. But he did. The Samaritan was minding his own business and saw somebody in need of assistance. Jesus was in glory. And saw humanity 
in need of salvation. The Samaritan was moved with pity and tended to his wounds. Jesus was filled with love and became wounded for our transgressions. The Bible says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him and by his stripes we are healed. The Samaritan gave him oil and wine for his wounds. Take a pause right here and say, whenever you see oil and wine in the Bible, it's a, it's a restoration. It's a refreshment. It's a joy. So he took care of his wounds. It says in Psalms 104:15, it is wine that makes glad the heart of a man and oil to make his face shine and bread which strengthens the man's heart. This wine is refreshment and this oil brings joy. And he was getting refreshment and joy from the Samaritan so that he did not have to look like what he'd been through. And in Christ, we are new creatures and all things have passed away. So we do not have to look like what we've been through. No, we don't have to look like we were on the side of the road because Jesus came and tended to our wounds. This Samaritan put the man on his animal and brought him to the inn. Jesus put himself on a cross and brought us all away to heaven. Even though the Samaritan was considered bad, when the Samaritan did what he did, even somebody that was considered his enemy, this Hebrew lawyer, had to acknowledge what he did was good. Even if you don't like Jesus, what he did for us was definitely good. What he did for us was definitely good. It, the Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those up under the earth. The Samaritan helped the beaten traveler just like God helps those who seeks him. I'll look to the hills from which cometh my help. And my help it comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. It's a God who never sleeps nor slumbers. And we are in need of healing, definitely going with these events that have happened over this past week. We are in need of a healing. And our help comes from the Lord. So stop by me, Jesus. I am beaten on the side of the road in need of help. I am beaten on the side of the road and left for dead. I am passed by some of the people who you thought would have helped me, but they kept on going. And we can do that sometimes. We look at somebody's problems and we might listen for a while, but in the back of our minds, we might be thinking, I'm so glad it's not me. Thank God for Jesus. Jesus did not do that. He looked beyond our faults and saw our needs. They whipped his back so it could hold you up. They stretched his arms so they were long enough to reach you. And buried in the tomb is with him was all of our sickness, sins, and diseases. Amen. Jesus, the ancient of days, Adam's redeemer, 
Abel's vindicator, Noah's ark, Abraham's sacrifice, Moses' burning bush. Do you know him? Jesus, Joshua's battle axe, Gideon's fleece, Samson's power, David's music, and Solomon's wisdom. Jesus, the rose of Sharon that came to save us all. Jeremiah's balm and Gilead and Ezekiel's wheel in the middle of a wheel. Jesus, Matthew's king, Mark's suffering servant, Luke's great physician, and John's word made flesh. Jesus. So I don't see myself as a good Samaritan doing something wrong because I know right now I am in need of help. I can't speak for nobody else, but I know I'm in need of help. He's asked the coming of the Holy Spirit and our ever-present help. And I look over my life, and I look at what I used to be, and what I could have been done, and what I could have been, but Jesus spared me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, and now safe am I. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. And when nothing else could help, love lifted me. And my favorite part about this new, this, uh, this good Samaritan piece is it says in the text that he gave denarii, two denarii, which is a day's wage, which indicates that he gave almost all he had. And just like the Samaritan gave all he had, Jesus gave his life for us. And just like the next thing that the Samaritan said was, I am coming back. And just like the Samaritan is coming back, Jesus is coming back to get us the least, the last, and the lost. Those who all believe in him. For the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.